You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romamu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. The Charleston hadn't happened. Tonight's message would be about the power of this community. They came together in song and dance, in love and appreciation this past Wednesday to honor our outgoing executive director, Anit Samith. If Charleston hadn't happened, I might have devoted much of my sermon tonight to the power of my dear friend and teacher, Bana Devara Haberman, Shalom, who passed away this week. She was an incredible woman, ahead of her time, a visionary who changed my life and changed the way that I looked at Judaism. As my dear friend Nigel Savage pointed out in his moving eulogy email, she was a beacon and a ground. Her life was a testimony to the power of one person's charisma and visionary leadership to change our world from what we see it to be, to what we can only imagine it might become. If only Charleston hadn't happened. I would have focused more intently on the power and the beauty of the Shabbat's gay pride celebration here at Roman Moon. We are so blessed and so lucky to have such a robust, dynamic LGBTQ community. So thankful to Dvor Stahl and to all of the volunteers who are bringing people to an inclusive, loving community if Charleston hadn't happened. This Friday night's message might have been about the importance of the game-changing papal encyclical released by the Vatican this week that will forever change the way that faith interacts with the environmental crisis and how we steward this beautiful earth that is slipping away day by day. If Charleston hadn't happened. But Charleston did happen. And so has Ferguson and Staten Island and other cities. Charleston has happened. And it happened on a day in the Jewish calendar that is particularly significant on the day that is known as Rosh Chodesh, the new moon, the renewal of the moon's light as it waxes and wanes, a cycle of birth and rebirth, recapitulated each three-day period. And as we celebrated that morning, the birth of the new month, we came to find out later in the day the horror that was unfolding at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopalian Church. The month of Tammuz, the fourth month of the Hebrew calendar. An Aramaic name that was borrowed from Babylonia, taken back to Israel. It was an Aramaic of the Sumerian, Sumerian deity, Dumuzid. And purportedly Tammuz this great sun god went into the underworld in search of the beloved Inyana or Ishtar 
And beginning with the summer solstice in ancient Near Eastern cultures, there was a time of mourning, marking the decline of the daylight hours and the onset of a killing summer heat and a drought. They had a six-day, not Shiva, but Shisha, they had a six-day mourning period, a funeral for the god that went into the underworld, a funeral for the diminishment of light. In the Jewish tradition, everyone, Tammuz is not a happy month. It is a month that the tradition tells us that the golden calf took place. It is the month, we are told, where Moses, seeing the golden calf, smashes the first set of tablets into pieces. It is the month, we are told by the tradition, when the walls of Jerusalem were breached, surrounded. It was the beginning of a three-week period that would culminate in the ninth of Av, the saddest day on the Jewish calendar, Tammuz, is not a happy month. The walls were breached. And now we can add one more catastrophe to the list of Tammuzian moments. Into that sacred sanctuary in Charleston, that hallowed community that has endured so much, that has absorbed in its walls the terror of racism and the ugliness of hatred into that sacred sanctuary that is God's house. In the safety and the comfort, the love, the solidarity, the friendship, the spiritual vitality, into that room in the back where we sit week in and week out, every morning learning Torah, where West End learns the Bible, into that sanctuary. Once again, hatred and confusion walked in. Into that sanctuary walked a warped heart, a distorted mind. Into that sanctuary walked the stench of hatred, a stench that hasn't been adequately addressed. Not a lone wolf, not a crazy man, a hatred that still festers in the very marrow of this country's bones. 50 years after the Voting Rights Act of 1965, that eliminated restrictions curtailing African Americans from registering to vote and being able to give voice to their opinions 50 years after Selma and Montgomery, 50 years after the Watts riots in Los Angeles, racism and discrimination are still with us and boy, have they come back to rear their ugly head this year. Sometimes subtle, but all too often Overt acts of violence seek to silence voices in the African-American community and not only that community. We say loudly and affirmatively tonight here in this church shul, in this expression of unity, in this coming together we say, we will not remain silent. Too much has happened. There has been too much sinat chinam, and the temple is being destroyed every week. That gunman who walked into Emmanuel AME didn't just walk into Emmanuel. He didn't just target black men and women. Well, of course, that's what he said. The hatred of the other is a sickness of the soul. 
that isn't limited to one people, one race, one religion. The fear of physical harm and loss of life have shaken the American Muslim community to its core. Execution-style massacre of three American Muslim college students in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, a Muslim teenager who was run down in the street as he left his mosque in Kansas City, an Iraqi refugee shot in Dallas as he stopped to take pictures of his first snowfall, 18 shots fired into a Muslim family's home in North Carolina. Can we imagine armed and potentially violent protesters circling a church during Christmas mass? or a synagogue during high holiday services? Well, maybe we can. Maybe we as a community know what that feels like. We know that in this month of all months, when we had our own sacred center surrounded by enemies, we know. We know what it is to have a security guard at the front of our holy spaces. We know. Tomorrow morning, We'll be reading in our weekly wisdom. The Parsha will speak about a rebel named Korach, Moses and Aaron's cousin, who himself was a man with a great pedigree. He had a great position. He was very high up in the, in the company. Korach, the rebel, challenges Moshe, Moshe and Aharon. He is, in the tradition, the expression of someone who fights an argument not for the sake of heaven. Korach is the rebel no one wants the child to become. Korach isn't a happy character in the Bible. But Korach, who argues for more power, who says Rav Lach, and who ultimately has an end that is tragic when the earth swallows him and his children alive, Korach, in the Hasidic and mystical tradition of the Jewish faith, has a different narrative altogether. He isn't just that rebel. There were even Rebbe's great teachers who used to say, my Helige Zaidi Korach, my great ancestor Korach. There were those who saw Korach not as a rebel without a cause, but as a visionary who came before his time to deliver a message that people could not hear. In the writings of the Me'ashiloch, the Ishbitzer Rebbe, Korach comes to Moses and says, Rav Lachem, you Aaron and Moshe, Kol Heida Kulam Kidoshim Uvetocham Adonai. The entire people is holy. There is a radical accessibility of God to each and every one of them. What makes you rise above them? Umaduatit Nasu Al Kahal Adonai. The Ishbitur says, Madua titnit nasu al kahal adonai, hine ta'anot korach haita she'en shum hitnasut ben Yisrael echan al chavero, ki betocham adonai, hainu shashem izbarach shochem betoch kulam, shave beshave, kemoshe mivuar bagmara she liatid yasekarish brachu machol atzadikim. He says, that the Talmud teaches that in the future there will be a circle dance that God will make for all of the righteous, a circle dance where each one will be equidistant from the center, and that Korach came with a fundamental assertion to Moshe. He said, you know, Moshe, this whole hierarchy business doesn't work. The world has to be a world of radical equality. Radical 
equality equal one to the other. And on this, this notion that Korach came with a vision of a future that no one could hear, I heard one of my teachers say, that's why Korach was swallowed by the earth. Because Korach's vision needed to be seeded. Korach's vision needed time. It needed to be irrigated. It needed to be touched. Korach was the visionary who came too soon, whose vision couldn't be handled, a light too strong for the vessels in which he was trying to place it. Korach saw the promised land, but he didn't think he could get there. And so Korach, the great rebel, wasn't the great rebel. He was the great visionary whose message needed the earth's nutrients and time's magic to ultimately bring it to fruition. If one looks at tomorrow's reading, you'll notice that the word flower, perach, perach, flower, appears in an ordinary number of times. Something that blossoms, that sprouts. And we have a teaching from the great mystic Isaac Luria, who taught us that one can learn deep things not only from the first letter of consecutive Hebrew words in acronym, but from the end letters as well. The Ari said, Sadiq katamar yifrach, the righteous will blossom like the date palm. The last letter of the word Sadiq is kuf, the righteous kuf. Katamar, like a date palm, last letter is a resh, resh. Yifrach will bloom, last letter chet, spells the word Korach. Korach's vision will come to fruition, says the Ari, says the mystical tradition. In the end, besof, at the end, there will be equality. Another Midrash tells us that Korach came and said, you know, in last week's Torah reading, you told us, Moshe, to put these fringes, these little tassels, on our four-corner garments. And then you said we should put a little blue thread there as well. And Korah said, well, what if the whole garment is made of the blue thread? Does it still need the strings? And the way that I was taught that Midrash, that rabbinic story as a kid, it was, this guy Korah just wants to make trouble. He comes with all kinds of weird, you know, Talmudic kazooistry. He's like, it's really sophisticated. The Ishbiter says, no, Korach was saying, what if the world is made up of perfection, of all blue, that blue string, just one of them? No, what if it were all blue? Would you still need to work? Would you still need the strings? This notion that Korach came to give us a vision, a one day it will come true. One day is today. One day is today for all of the Korachs. We don't have time to wait any longer. For an imagined world, there are too many Korachs dying, buried by the complacency and lack of moral will and political daring. Too many Korachs are snuffed out before their time. Too many Martin Luther Kings, too many Clementine Pinckney's, too many of these great leaders in communities around this country and around the world whose visions 
are like the sun trying to bring forth the seed of a world that could only be imagined. So the time for blossoming, for pricha, has arrived. So even though Tammuz landed this week and brought us once again face to face with the diminishment of the light, more sadness, more heartbreak, more lament and more pain, I am still hopeful tonight. Because today, June 19th, the day that begins this weekend is Juneteenth, the oldest known celebration. The oldest known celebration that commemorates the end of slavery in the United States. This weekend begins with the end of slavery. And then on June 21st, according to the tradition, something very special happens this weekend and in Tammuz, the summer solstice. And according to the tradition, Tammuz is the month when a radical historical event in the Bible takes place, and it takes place in the book of Joshua. Shemesh begivon dom, sun stands still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ayalon. And so the book of Joshua tells us the sun stood still, and then the moon stopped. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a half, a full day. The solstice or the sun standing still. Tammuz did not descend on that day. Nothing set. No light was lost. Don't let the sun go down on me. Don't let that sun of Tammuz descend. So on this weekend, we cry with Charleston. We cry with all of those who are still suffering under the sweltering heat of oppression and ignorance. And this evening, we also raise up the power of the prophetic, the power of the visionaries who saw a new world before its time. And we too promise rebirth and healing. And we imagine, imagine all the people together, a just world, regardless of race, religion, sexual orientation, or gender. We scream, don't let the sun go down. Stay high in the sky and bring forth those sprouts that have been seeded in the earth. Let the ripening begin. Let the ripening begin. And let each of us walk out tonight and say, now is the time. No more one days, no more tzaddik katamari frahi will happen in the future. Now is the time for the bold vision of Pope Francis in his encyclical. The call to proclaim now is the time people of all faith rallying behind the core tenets of their faith, encouraging all of us to care for our mother, the earth. We say now is the time when we must all promote the common good by protecting those who disproportionately feel the environmental impacts and health effects of climate change, of global scorching, Tonight, this Shabbat, we say now is the time for LGBTQ equality. We say now is the time for the visionaries who gave their lives, who led the way, drag queens at Stonewall, Dell and Phyllis, who realized their lifelong dream of legally marrying on June 
16th, seven years ago, tonight, we remember great men and women of every race, religion, and creed, like my dear friend, Bana, Devorah Haberman, and maybe even the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the great visionary whose your site is tonight and tomorrow. We remember all of those who came before, who, like Korach, had a vision that might have been too soon. But we can't wait. The sun is high in the sky. Time is ticking. May God bless all of the families and loved ones of the victims who were murdered. May God give strength and fortitude to those who with anguish cries today on in front of the alleged killer said, why? But we forgive you, they said, we forgive you. And may God bless each of us to stop the sun and to bring forth the vision of a world that can't wait to be born.